Hey, can you pause it and keep that on the screen for a second? By the way, that's a really long bumper video, right? Why do the pictures of Jesus, why does it always look like somebody farted in the crowd and everyone's mad because they know somebody did it? That's just, that's why I should stick to my notes. Anyways, uh, hey guys, I'm glad you guys are here tonight. I'm glad I'm on stage, so if you're farting, I'm not smelling it. Um, if you brought your $5 for Papa to Pop, do not pay the truck, pay one of your leaders and make sure you get in line when we get out of here. Get your pop, get your popcorn, and get your Frio's frozen pop. We are in a new series called Please Explain. We're going to be talking about the parables of Jesus. There's a whole lot of them. We're only going to talk about four different ones. If you come every week in June, you'll hear about four different parables. We're at the park in a couple weeks. we still got a lesson to give you there. Um, but we're going to start each lesson this series with a riddle, Okay. And I want, if you know the answer, just shout it out. We're going to put the riddle on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. It says, I am an odd number. Take away a letter and I become even. What number am I? Seven. seven. Some of you guys got it right away. Show us the answer. It's seven because if you take away a letter, it becomes even. All right? Pretty simple riddle. And I think it, we started off simple because tonight's parable is sort of simple to understand. But when Jesus spoke in parables in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he would use parables. And what parables are are different stories and things like that to uh, communicate. And people would get confused by them a lot. And a lot of people thought he was speaking in riddles. We'll come back to riddles in just a second. I've got a question for you guys. How many of you, when you were a kid, and maybe you still do, you, can, you don't have to admit that, but when you were little, you had like a stuffed animal or a blanket, like a security thing that like you couldn't go anywhere without, you couldn't sleep without it. How many guys had something like that? Okay. You still have it. Thank you for admitting that. All right. And some of you might still, some of our guys are like, oh, I, don't, I don't have Pugsy the Bedtime Penguin Pale, but we know you do. All right. Uh, a lot of us had those things. When I was little, um, I had one, but you know, you have your little stuffed animal. It makes you feel safe. I took mine to church. I took mine everywhere. Um, and I had to look up what mine was called because I remember there was a name for it, but I couldn't like think of what it was. It was back in like the late 70s before I was born, they came out. I was, grew up in the 80s. But they were popular when I was a little kid, and they were stuffed monkeys called manchichis. And I got a picture of a manchichi. This was my little guy. Uh, now, that one was not mine specifically. Mine was a lot lighter color. Mine was like a blonde manchichi or a yellow hair-colored manchichi. But I went everywhere with this thing up until the age of 23 years old. No, I was about four or five years old. Everywhere I went, I had my manchichi. If we went to church, I took it with me. My dad would get mad at me, and he'd yell at me, and he'd make me leave in the car. So I started sneaking the manchichi down my shirt to church. I would try to take it. I wasn't in school yet. I was so little, I wasn't going to school yet. But uh, my brother played baseball, my big brother. I would take it to baseball games. If we went to restaurants, I took it. And, of course, when I went to bed at night, I had my manchichi in the bed with me because monsters can't get me if the manchi cheese were there. Now, the weird thing about manchi cheese is their hair is like glued down, and as they get older, the hair starts to peel back. And this is actually what they look like with no hair. Uh, they're creepy, all right? So the monster was the manchi chi all along. So imagine, like, you wake up in the middle of the night, you see that thing going, let's play, and you're like, no, I don't want to, manchi chi. Uh, that was my safety, my security. Little did I know what was lurking underneath the whole time was a creepy doll head. But... Here's the thing. The truth is that I know now and that you probably know now, even if you still have a blanket or a stuffed animal, is those things won't actually protect you. If someone broke into my house with a gun or a knife and kicked open my bedroom door and walked in, they wouldn't be like, oh, shoot, he's got a manchichi, and leave. 
they'd take my stuff and they'd probably take my manchichi, all right? It wasn't going to protect me from anything. And yet, so many of us put our faith and our hope in things that we think will protect us, things that we think will sustain us, things that we think will support us, but they don't. All right, and Jesus talked about this in one of the first parables we're going to hear in this series. Um, now, Jesus didn't talk about manchichis, just so you know. Jesus didn't talk about stuffed animals, but Jesus talked about where we put our foundation in life, where our hope is found. And it's funny to laugh about ugly monkeys and creepy doll heads and things like that, but I want you to kind of consider as we read the, the, the parable tonight, what is Jesus getting at? Now, when we say parable, if you're familiar with church, that's a church word. You don't hear the word parable really anywhere but church. So maybe you've never heard that word before. So when we say parable for the next month, here's what that means. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus would tell stories. And when I teach, I do the same thing. I tell a story maybe about my childhood or my life, everyday stuff, but we equate it to God. And Jesus did the same thing when he taught. And the reason he did that was for a couple, there was a couple purposes. One, people didn't have Bibles back then. The Bible was still being written. Uh, most people, they, they might have known the scriptures, but they didn't have copies of the scriptures in their home to read or study. They had to memorize by them being read to them. A lot of people at that time couldn't even read. And so Jesus uh, knew that if he just started quoting scripture, he might lose some people. So he would use stories of everyday life. And he talked about stuff like uh, farmers and, and shepherds and things that people that he was speaking to would know because that's the people he was speaking to. If Jesus were here today, he might talk about working at the, the auto factory because people around here work for Ford or GM. Or he might talk about, you know, being an athlete or things like that to talk to you guys because that equates to your life. And so a parable is simply a story that has a twist to it or a moral to it, and the moral is heavenly. And Jesus would tell these parables, and sometimes they'd, they'd be lost in translation, and he would have to break it down and explain exactly what it means so as we read our first parable tonight, we don't have a whole lot of verses. In fact, this lesson's a little bit light, um, so we don't have a, a, a real long or deep lesson. I think it's a pretty simple parable. Uh, if you're confused by it, we'll break it down and we'll explain it anyways. But as we read it, I want you to think, what is this story really about, even though I think this one's fairly self-explanatory, and what do you think the spiritual lesson is in your life that you could apply to you? But first, before we get into any of that, let me thank God. Let's thank God together. God, we thank you for who you are, for how much you love us, for how much you do for us, for how much grace, mercy, and forgiveness you pour out on our lives. I thank you for every student who's here tonight. I pray that they are blessed. I pray that they hear something from you tonight. Not from my voice, but I pray that you speak to them. Speak to their hearts. Speak into their lives where they are at. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to read our passage. It's Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking. It's going to read it all together. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. That's the whole parable. It's a simple one. I don't think anyone's confused tonight, but if you are, I will talk to you afterwards. We're going to break it down for you right now, though. When I read about building a house in the sand, my mind immediately goes to two things. One, it goes to building sandcastles. How many guys have built sandcastles on the beach before? 
They look great. Maybe you pour your time and your effort, and then the wave hits, and they're gone forever. A house built on the sand cannot sustain the waves. It also reminds me, I'm a church kid. I remember a song that says, the waves came down and the floods came up. We're not going to sing that next week. Don't worry about it, all right? But Jesus is talking here, and he's talking about there's two types of people. There are people who hear these words of mine and do them, and there's people who hear these words of mine and don't do them. Some of them are wise, some of them are fools. The people who hear my words and do my words are wise, and their foundation is built on the rock. The people who hear my words and don't do them are fools, and they build their house on the sand. So let's talk about that person who builds their house on the foundation of rock. They build their house on a foundation of rock, not necessarily because they were a genius or a master house builder. In the story, this guy just knows that a rock is going to hold up better than sand. It makes perfect sense. He understands that. He understands also, too, that life can get difficult and unpredictable, and storms might come, and weather may hit that home, and it might hit that foundation. And so he wanted to make sure that his home and his life was set in a way that when the storms came, everything wouldn't fall apart, and that is the wise man. So to make sure everyone listening knew exactly what he was trying to say, Jesus explained that the wise house builder is someone who not only hears Jesus' words, but does Jesus' words. Now, you guys here tonight, a lot of you guys come every week, and I think that's awesome. I love your faithfulness. But a lot of people come to church every week, and they hear the words of Jesus, but they don't do the words of Jesus. If that's you, you are not the wise man. If you are here and you hear the lessons, you go in small groups, you answer the questions right, you, maybe you go to Christian school and you can pass all the tests, you go to chapel and you have to wear your tie or whatever, and you do, you do all of it, you listen well, but you don't do well, can I tell you something? You are not wise. Jesus calls you a fool. That's not me calling you that. That's what Jesus calls you. See, it's awesome that you're here tonight. I love, I love Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights are my favorite night of the week. I love hanging out with you guys. I love doing goofy games where we watch people chug pops. Poor Eli was about to cry. Those bubbles were hitting him so hard. But he won, all right? He won, all right? He fought through it. And that stuff's all great, too. I'm glad they're here. I'm glad that Isaac and the band sang tonight. I'm glad that we get to raise our hands and worship. I love all that stuff. But coming to church doesn't do a whole lot for us on its own. Going to youth group doesn't really do a whole lot for us on its own. Listening to the message doesn't do a whole lot for us on its own. It's when we apply the message to our lives that things start to change. I say that because that was me. I hit this a lot. I know I say this a lot. If you've heard me teach more than once, you're probably like, he says this all the time. Because I grew up in church. It took me 17 years to understand this. I heard every sermon. I heard every story. I could have taught the stories. I was in youth group every week. I was at every summer camp, every activity, every afterglow. I was at all of it. It took me until I was 17 years old, graduating high school, to say, you know what? I need to actually do what Jesus says. And some of you here tonight might be in that same boat. I'm glad that you listen to Jesus. Do you do what Jesus says? So Jesus talks about the person who listens but doesn't do. And we, maybe we give that person the benefit of the doubt, but Jesus didn't. He just straight up calls them foolish. Maybe the person's proud. Maybe the person's arrogant. Maybe the person's stubborn. Maybe they thought they didn't need anything but themselves to get things done. And that's how some of us live our lives. I don't need Jesus. I don't need your help. I don't need advice. 
I don't need anyone. I can do things on my own. But when the storm came, all of a sudden this person in the story realized they're wrong. Again, to make sure everyone understands, Jesus explains his story. The foolish house builder is someone who hears Jesus' words but doesn't do anything with them. How often do we hear a message at church? Or maybe it's at home. Or maybe, you know, you listen to something on your phone or whatever. And we're told to avoid sin, Right? Maybe you've heard a message about a sin that you struggle with, and you've heard the message, and it convicts you in your seat, and you feel bad, you feel guilty, you feel remorse, you feel shame, you feel like, I'm never going to do that again, I'm going to stop, I'm going to change, tonight is the night where my life is different, and you, you, you hear the message to avoid temptation, to get rid of that sin, to stay away from those things, and then you go home, and you do it again. I could raise my hand, I'd do that. That was me. That's some of you. I know that. And can I tell you something? That's tough. It's hard. But Jesus says we have to do his words. That's what this story means, is that there are people who will listen to God's words and ignore them and go on living their life, and then when problems come, their lives fall apart. You know, when when things feel uncertain or scary or unstable, it's not our safety blankets, it's not our stuffed monkeys, it's not our little animals that are going to protect us or whatever you're using now might not work, God's words will help us weather the storms of life. And here's a promise I want to give you tonight, and it's not a good promise, but it's a promise. I can promise you this, guys. Storms will come in your life. You might not have dealt with any storms yet. You guys are young. You might have had a pretty good life. Some of you guys live in a good home. Mom and dad love you. They love each other. It's a healthy home situation. That's awesome. I know that's not everybody, but maybe that's you. You get good grades, you're an athlete, you have friends at school, you don't struggle with fitting in, you don't have any real problems, you don't have any health issues, your parents can pay the bills, you haven't seen problems. That's awesome and that's a blessing, but I can tell you life is not going to go on like that forever. Something's going to change and when it changes, it's like you get punched in the stomach and it sucks. I remember when I got the phone call from my mom in the middle of the night. She couldn't wake my dad up. I had to drive over to my mom's house in the middle of the night and see my dad for the last time. When my dad passed away, my world was rocked. That was a little over 10 years ago. I had a great dad. My dad loved me. My dad was in ministry. My dad loved my mom. My dad raised me well. My dad had a decent amount of money. I was never wanting things. I lived a really good life. And that's not to say it's the only problem I ever faced. But let me tell you something. That was a, that was a big storm. To lose someone that I love so much. Some of you already know that feeling. And you know the pain. And you know the hurt. And you know the way that it feels like a storm. Because it just hits you and it hits you hard. Can I tell you something? If you do not have a foundation in your life when those storms hit you, your life could fall apart, you guys. Sickness happens. Heartache happens. Sin happens, and it might not be your sin. Sometimes somebody else's sin is what affects you. Here's a side lesson. Sin spills over. Your sin doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. So when you're sinning, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting other people. What I want to ask you is this. What is the foundation of your life tonight, young man? Young lady, what is the foundation of your life? Jesus makes it clear what it needs to be And it needs to be doing what he says. Not hearing what he says. 
not going to youth group, not singing the songs, not, those things are all fine, and they should rest on our foundation. We can build off that foundation with all those things, but those things shouldn't be the foundation. If the foundation of your faith is drive, what happens when you graduate and you can't come anymore? If this is where your faith is, what happens when you can't come? Is your faith gone? You, you say, well, my faith is found in good teaching. I think we have good teachers here. This last year, we did all last month. Man, I think everybody on the stage rocked it. I think they did awesome. I love listening to them on stage, even when Joe cussed. I thought that was still pretty cool. You know, I thought it was awesome, except for that part. But I thought, I think we hear great messages here. And you might say, yeah, man, I hear good teaching too. What if you, what if you move and, and you have to move to a town and there's only one church in the town and the pastor is just the most boring message teacher in the world? Listen, I've heard boring messages. Some of you guys might think I'm the boring one. Can I tell you something? I have heard sermons so boring that I have prayed in the middle of them for Jesus to come back. I'm like, Lord, I can't take another word. Get us out of here. Listen, if your faith is found in other people's teaching, what happens when you don't get to hear them teach anymore? If your faith is found in the worship, what happens if we stripped it all away and we didn't have worship anymore? If your faith is found in these things that are temporary and that can go away, then when those things go away, does your faith go away too? What is your foundation? Your foundation needs to be not just in hearing Jesus, but doing what he says. What Jesus is saying to the people he was teaching, what he wants you to know, is that God is a firm foundation. Let's go to the book of Psalms, because as he was teaching, he was kind of saying things that people already heard. Psalms chapter 89, this is written by a guy, and I was reading this today, and it was interesting. There's, it says a psalm, if you read the psalms, a lot of psalms are written by David, right? A psalm of David, a psalm of David. This was written by a guy named Ethan, which I thought was just really random, like a psalm of Ethan. Ethan got a song on the track, all right? And this is Ethan's song. He says, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is enduring as the heavens. That's just the first two verses. It's a long chapter. I would go, I encourage you to go home and read all of Psalms 89. But in two verses, what do we see? Twice, unfailing. Whoever Ethan was, he knew that God's love would never fail. And so the people who knew that scripture, when they hear Jesus talking about foundations, they understand that there is a foundation that is unfailing and unwavering. And so Jesus uses these earthly stories to tie into the scriptures of the world that they already knew. And he's responding and re reaffirming that, Jesus, or that God's love is unfailing, and Jesus affirms it again by saying it's a foundation that we can live our lives off of. And because God's love stands forever, we can trust it, we can build off of it, we can rely on it when nothing else seems reliable. There is so much we can do when our foundation is in God. God guys, God's words are just as solid as God's love for us. Here's the take home tonight, all right? Let's put it on the screen. God's words are a firm foundation. The firmest foundation you can live your life on are the words of God, but not just reading them, not just memorizing them, living them out. When life gets shaky, when life gets uncertain, when God's words remind us in those situations, it can do two things for us. When life is uncertain, God's words can comfort us and it can guide us. It can comfort us and remind us that God loves us, that God is with us, that God hasn't forgotten about us, because sometimes life gets so hard, it feels like God's nowhere to be found. 
The relationship we have with Jesus in the midst of chaos and uncertainty gives us a chance to understand God's love, the unchanging, always trustworthy love of God that Ethan the psalmist talked about. I don't know if you know what it feels like to have someone say they love you and then they don't anymore. Maybe you've been dumped before. Or maybe you've got a strained relationship with a parent or a sibling or things like that. But some of you might know what it's like to have someone love you and then that love stops. And that's heartbreak and that's hurt. I want you to understand that feeling is hard. You do not have to worry about that with God. There is nothing you can do that will make him love you more or less than he loves you right now. But remember what Jesus said. Just hearing God's word isn't going to give us safety and stability. We have to do what God says. And that's why we have to remember God's words are meant to guide and direct us, not just comfort us, not just make us feel good, but guide us, guide us out of that pain, guide us out of that situation, guide us out of those problems. If we truly want to be safe and secure in life during the biggest storms that it hits us with, we have to do something with the guidance gives us, so, that God gives us. So guys, what is your life built around tonight? What is your foundation? God's words are a firm foundation. I want for all of you to have a firm foundation in your life. Is your life built on others' expectations or opinions of you? Is, is your life built on your own intelligence or your own wisdom or your own abilities? Is your life built on wishful thinking that things haven't gone bad yet, so it's just going to be good the rest of my days? Is it built on God's trustworthiness? I can tell you, one of those things is firm. All the rest are very, very shaky. What do you hold on to when life gets complicated? Just like I used to carry my little stuffed monkey around when I was scared. When you get scared, what do you go to now? What do you turn to now? Do you turn to God? Do you hold on to people or things that make you feel better in the short term but don't actually help you? Or do you go to the one who will guide you and comfort you through any storm that life has? Hold on to Jesus who will never, ever let you down. Let me tell you, and my, I'll be quick. Guys, a couple years ago was the lowest point of my life, 2019, about four years removed from it now. I can picture me and my wife walking through Great Lakes Crossing, and we were just broken. Not because we were at Great Lakes Crossing. We just happened to be there. We were sitting at the food court, and we just looked at each other, and we said, what is, what is happening in our life? It's things that I, I never would have expected had gone south. People that we love very, very much were hurt very, very much, and we couldn't fix it. I felt broken. I felt, I felt confused. I felt hurt. I felt discouraged. And I honestly felt like God wasn't there doing anything. And so I started to question things. I questioned everything, and I've said that before. Go ahead and question God. You'll see that he can answer any question you have. And I questioned God. I questioned my faith. I questioned all of it. And what I found when I came out of it was everything else that I thought I could count on, I couldn't, but I could always count on Jesus. And so I had to lean heavy on Jesus to get me through that rough, rough part of my life. But what I found is I couldn't really count on anything else. I couldn't even count on myself to do what was right. The love of Jesus and the truth of his word was the only thing that got me through that stage of my life. You're unsure you want to trust him that much? Let me tell you what Jesus says about you. He says that he is with you. He says that you need to be courageous. He says that he will love you no matter what. He says that he will never leave you or forsake you. He says he will remove his sins from you. So if it's sin that's keeping you from trusting him, he wants to take it and throw it in the trash. 
Jesus is a firm foundation. Put those words into practice. Make Jesus the foundation of your life and build a life around him so that when the storms come, and they will come, it might hit you and it might shake you a little bit, but your foundation won't crumble. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, God, I am so thankful that you are a God who is a firm foundation. Thank you for being firm in my life when I needed you most. Thank you for never leaving me, even when I doubted you. Thank you for comforting me when I needed it most. Thank you for weathering every storm that my life has seen. God, I pray for these young people tonight. I pray for anyone who is questioning where their foundation is. That tonight can be the night where they say, I'm going to start doing what Jesus tells me. Not just listening, I'm going to start living for Jesus because I want a foundation that can't be moved. I want a foundation that is secure. I want a foundation that is firm and rock solid. I pray that you move in the hearts of our young people. Give us firm foundations. Give us firm hopes, firm trust, firm faith in you so that we can go out and change our world for you. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.